0: Welcome to Axios Church Online. We're so excited you had joined us here on our online campus. We hope this message encouraged you and uplift you throughout your week. Enjoy this message. Because uh, I, I truly believe that what just happened is just a setup for what's going to happen. If we open our ears, this message that God has given me was actually just for me as well, can change a lot of things in your life. So I, I need you to pay attention. I need you to take some notes because I believe that this moment is the moment that you've been praying for, the moment where that shift happens, the moment where that, that transformation happens. Because I truly believe as we end this series called Love Story, God has done some amazing things and we can take a love story in the Bible that was a love story of failure and turn it for your good. Because there's so many things that God can show us even through our failures but we have to be attentive to the things that He's trying to teach us, because we can look at failures at all at all points of our lives and things that God can't use us. But God can use you even in the midst of your failure, and we see it here with one of the love stories in the Bible uh, of the story of David and Bathsheba. David, a man after God's own heart, is 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 the man. Bathsheba is just a, a lady that is is living in the town and they have an interaction together and this story gets a little weird and we'll get there in just a minute but do not lose the perspective that God wants to show in your life because a lot of us are living life blind and if I can say that this a title for this uh for this message is this is this is your vision test this is your vision test test see let me just I'm not going to read all of the story of, of David and Bathsheba but Bathsheba was a beautiful lady she became pregnant um, to because um, of David and they, as she was bathing herself on the, uh, on the on the rooftop and and said I am pregnant and then David being have, having all the power in the land he ordered um, Bathsheba's husband Uriah to move to the front lines of the battle so he can die such a tragic story i just gave you the footnotes of it real quick cuz i want to get to the to the meat and potatoes of what god wants us to really understand in this moment you have to understand when your vision lingers to your problem your vision is altered and it doesn't make your soul healthy see we can look at david in this in this story as the act of what he did with Bathsheba is the sin. Can I tell you that, yes, that's a sin, but the sin started beforehand. And the sin started with the lingering eye. His eye saw Bathsheba, and he decided to keep his vision on something he should never have. See, at times, we can put our vision on things that God has never intended our lives to operate in. We can be, if it's all, our life can have something bad in it and we put all our vision towards that. See, here's the thing. Where your vision is, is where your attention is. Where your vision is, is where your attention is. Where you set your vision at determines and indicates your decision-making and where your life is being led i need you to understand this because some of us are focusing so much on the problem but the problem was already conquered through the cross but what we do is we focus so much on the problem we don't focus on the one that can solve the problem And we see our lives lingering on things that should not be in our life. And we need to understand that your vision matters. See, David failed, but he failed at a lingering eye, putting his full attention towards Bathsheba. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is healthy, your whole body is full of what? Light. We are supposed to be the light to the world. But if our vision that God gives us is altered in any way or altered on things that should not be in our lives, our, light is, our, our life is not producing light. And there's only two things that your life can produce, light or darkness. When your vision is altered... A lot of things change. I got, I got four things I want you to understand in this situation with, where we see David, and David kind of failing in this moment. Is when your vision is altered, number one, you lose sight of your why. When your vision is altered, you lose sight of your why. What is your why? Your why is your drive, your motivation behind what you do and how you do it. Some of you say, my why, why I do what I do is for my family. My why is I want to be financially free. There's something that your life is going after. The, you can call it goals. You can call it ambitions. Whatever it is, What you surround your whole life with that why. And here David lost his why. He lost what he was supposed to do. A man after God's own heart turned into a man after his own pleasures. See, let's go here to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It says, in the spring, at the time of the kings go out for war, at this moment, David is king, okay? When the kings go out to war, David sent Joab out to the king and the king's men to uh, the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the, uh, Manu, um, um, whatever, and besieged Reba." But what is this? But David remained in where? Jerusalem. David's whole purpose was to be king, right? We know it from the beginning, right? The shepherd boy, David and Goliath, the whole point, Samuel, anointing, you know, like, he was supposed to be king. So now he's walking in his purpose, but in walking in his purpose, he lost his why. Because at springtime, All the kings went out to battle, but David decided to stay back. To stay back. He used his power to diminish his purpose. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. (laughs) Just because you have the ability to doesn't mean. You should. So now David, being in a place where he should not be, he should be in war with all, the, with all the, the A words that we just saw right there, right? He was supposed to be in battle, but he made a decision to stay back, and now he finds himself on a rooftop. He finds himself on a rooftop. See Proverbs chapter 3 verse 21 23 says my son never lose sight of God's wisdom and knowledge make decisions out of true wisdom guard your good sense and they will be life to your soul find jewelry around your neck then each one of your steps will la- will land securely on the life's journey and you will not trip or fall See sometimes we blame the devil so much But sometimes it's this dumb decision we make. David could be like, oh, the devil made me go on the rooftop. Oh, the devil made me walk. No, dummy. You're supposed to be where God called you to be. But now you're on a place you're never supposed to be. And now you're going to make a decision that you never should have made. See, sometimes we in our lives, we put it so much on other things. No, no, no. We have to take the hate this word It's called accountability for our life. And David is now on top of a rooftop making a decision he should not have made. But why did he do that? Because he lost what he was supposed to do. And that was to be a king, but now a king that's supposed to be in battle. See, whenever we step back and just let life be life, things go a little crazy. But when we're intentional with every decision we make, when we're intentional with our reading of our word, when we're intentional in getting in community, things that should trip us don't trip us because we're stable in the Lord and not stable in our feelings. David had every right to probably stay back. He probably was tired probably was exhausted i mean he's the king he has to make all the decisions so he said you know what i'm gonna let what i feel determine what i should be doing when you cross that road in your life get ready for destruction when you rely on your will and not god's will things get a little shaky and we put ourselves in places we should never have been so david lost his why Here's the second thing. When, you're, when your vision is altered, number two, you entertain what you usually turn from. When your vision is altered, you usually now start to entertain some things that at one point you turned from. See, when we're focused on the wrong thing, we start entertaining things that we even see in people that we don't like. I see this all the time. When people like, they, they come to the pastor, right? And they're like, oh, you did you hear that person like gossip and all this stuff? That's fine. I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm good for the tea. You know, I'm like, okay. But then, if they're not aware, they start becoming the thing that they hate. Because if we're not aware and we let sin come in our life, gossip, strife, and, and, and just all these things, we start imitating what we call out in people that we hate. I see it all the time. It's the craziest thing. There's some people like, ah, did you see this person? I can't believe that they did that. And then three months later because they let their guard down, they become the same thing. And we see David here entertaining something that at one point and he knowing shouldn't entertain. And this is why We need to live life with good standards and morals. If you don't have standards in your life, your life is all blowing in the wind. Whatever culture says, I'm going this way. Whatever my feeling says, I go this way. You have to have standards and morals in your life. Romans chapter 12 verse um, 2 says, Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing and may discern what God, God's will for your life that is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I love this verse. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. This one is a drop the mic moment. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins what? Good morals. Sometimes it's like, oh, why is my life? You got around the wrong friends. Oh, why am I? You got you to check your surroundings. We can't live life blind. Just because they're good people doesn't mean them good people need to be in your life. Just because it seems like a good relationship, if we don't discern it, 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 it shouldn't be in your life. Then we're wondering, like, why is my life on chaos? It's because we didn't choose to discern, but we chose to entertain. See, I'm about to get a little bit, it, the Bible says this, okay, because we're, we're about to go a little crazy real fast, all right? About to get a little well, you'll see what i about. Because <laughs> the Bible is clear. Because we give Bathsheba a bad rap sometimes. You hear Bathsheba, you're like, oh, can't believe what she did to David. Oh, she just seduced him. Right? And I get it because we put David on this pedestal of, like, man after God's own heart. Slay the giant, the king. He was anointed. We put him on a pedestal, right? So surely it's not David's fault. It's Bathsheba's fault. But if you really read the story, we see that David was on a rooftop, Bathsheba was on the ground, and she was bathing herself. So while she was not even knowing, David was on a rooftop, checking her out. All right? We're about to get a little bit PG-13 here in a little bit, okay? So she is um, King James Version, but naked, all right? And David is on the rooftop just exploring, enjoying the scenes. You know, like he he was just walking, and he, he hears probably Bathsheba is just probably, you know, just humming around like, hmm. Just taking a bath, you know. And David's like, okay. David could have been like, oh, I, I shouldn't, right? But what did he do? He started lingering. He probably came back a little bit. This, this is my version. You know, like, okay. Right? But here's what you need to understand. There is a reasoning she was showering in that moment. And it's an important part of the story. Samuel chapter 11, verse 2 and 4. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the rooftop of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was beautiful, and David sent out to find out about her. So he sees her. Not only does he look, but if you're not careful Your vision turns into action. He says, I'm going to check out about this girl. The man says, she is Bathsheba. The woman, the the daughter of Elam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent a message or a messenger to get her. Not only did he hear about her, now he's sending to get her. She, She came to him. And they and she slept with and uh, he slept with her. Here's the important part. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. Then she sent back home. See, the Bible throws this little thing right there. It's like, hey, they slept together, but she had to cleanse herself for her uncleanliness. Back in the day, it's called your you know period, right? It's called the the lady times. You know, man, you know what we're talking about? The worst part is whenever you send me out to CVS. <laughs> man, you know what I'm talking about. And I have to get the the box. Right, man? Uh, you never been there? Well, you will soon. All right. Why? Because women go through this, right? They go through this. So the reason why she was bathing herself? Here's the thing, back in those days, you cannot have relations. I'm trying to. There's kids around. Relations. You know what I'm talking about? We can't have relations with your husband or uh, with, with your husband on your time of the month. It was forbidden back then, because back then medicine didn't know different things. So it was forbidden. It was not supposed to happen. And if you did, there was consequences to that. Um, especially if the lady as uh, became pregnant during that time, they said that the kid that was birthed through that is cursed. That's how bad it was as a bad thing back in those days. So what the ladies used to do towards the end of their cycle—I know this is weird, okay? At the towards the end of their cycle, they went to the pool. As tradition to cleanse themselves, to prepare themselves for relations again. So this is where Bathsheba is. She's cleansing herself as in tradition of what they're supposed to do. And David finds a way to take advantage of the situation in a time where he knows it was not, it was forbidden to do. Let me kind of put it all together you're not supposed to do it when it's happening David didn't care he just liked what he saw even though he knew what she was doing he didn't care because his feelings got in the way of his thoughts and now his thoughts became actions and now he's doing something that if he was in his right mind would never have done because he knows it was Do you understand what I'm saying? So at times when our vision is altered, we start acting and doing things that we know we should not do. And what we used to think was so bad now becomes our reality because our vision is altered. See, Bathsheba was just trying to do what she was supposed to do. And in this moment, like we said, a man after God's own heart, becomes a man after his own pleasures. And David knew that his power at that moment can be used to get what he wanted. I know we don't talk about this a lot, but this is the reality. And if we look at it in our lives, if we linger too much on the things that we shouldn't linger on, we start acting in areas and ways That God has never intended us to act or operate in. So we see here that vision matters. Number three is this. When your vision is altered, your pleasures become your reality. Because that she becomes one day, (laughs) I'm pregnant. She eats. What was once a one night for David now becomes a lifetime commitment. There's this thing that we don't talk about a lot in our circles called consequences. Because God's grace is there. Because we're going to see where God, you know, he takes the foolish things and make them wise. But in that middle, we got to learn from our mistakes. We got to learn from our mistakes. Because here's what David, he's like, um... You're what? (laughs) You're pregnant? David, you can't blame anybody but yourself because you chose to linger on Bathsheba. One moment of impulse pleasure became a lifetime commitment and responsibility for David. Now let's take it to our life. What is that thing that you just want one hit at? What is that thing that you just want one moment with? What is that thing that we just entertain for a moment? No one's looking. No one's getting hurt. But we linger on it. And now we're, we're 30 years in and it is an addiction. It's because we chose to linger our vision on something That we should have never operated in. But I love that God takes our imperfect decisions and still pours his grace on it. Because his plan is always going to be fulfilled. Can I get an amen on that? Because if you keep on reading, David's consequence was the baby that Bathsheba had. It passed away, but I guess David didn't learn his lesson because they had another child. I know, it gets good. But here's the thing, and you, we're going to read why late in just a minute. But that second child, here's the thing. well we said the first child is cursed, that's just what customs was. And the consequence was David started loving the child, but the, he lost this child. But this child that came bef- after this was Solomon. And Solomon took over the reins for his father David, became the wisest man that ever lived, they said, and built the temple again. See, God can redeem. Don't get that twisted. And he will redeem. But do you have to lose that thing that you love because you can't take care of your feelings and emotions? See, we have to be obedient, and David had to repent, and we see here in Psalms chapter 51, this is his, this is his prayer of repentance for what he did with Bathsheba. Psalms 51 says, hide, hide your face from me, from my sin, and blot all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We all heard that verse before, right? If you've been in church for like two minutes, You heard that verse. It's on Hobby Lobby. You know, every plaque you have at your house, right? Creating me a pure heart. But this amazing verse came out of a repentant heart out of one of the worst sins that came out of David's life. Creating me a pure heart. Oh, God, renew a steadfast spirit. Do not cast from me your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. David understood. Take everything away from my sin. I don't need it. I don't deserve it. But one thing I don't need, the one thing I need in my life is your presence. See, the devil wants you to understand when you made a mistake, you don't deserve to be in God's presence. But I'm here to rock your world real fast. When you make a mistake, a repentant heart needs the presence of God even more. Do not draw away from God's presence. Get closer to God's presence. And David is crying out to God, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Take everything away. He said, restore in me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God, redeem, God can redeem your mess up. But sometimes it shouldn't get to that point if we decide to not entertain the things that are trying to creep up in our life. I know this is not a best message, but it's good for me. Here's the last thing. Whenever your vision is altered, you start covering up everything with Lies. Because David calls out for Bathsheba, I'm pregnant, and then he tries to take matters into his own hands. Two Samuel chapter eleven, verse fourteen and seventeen. I'm, I'm done. If Judex can come up, in the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent him to Uriah, and sent it to Uriah, and he wrote, "Put Uriah out in the front of the fighting uh, of, of fighting." Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah in the place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, so, uh, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah died. So David using his power again, just because you can't doesn't mean you should. He says, Hey, I want to keep Bathsheba to myself. We're having a baby. So instead of facing my problem, I'm going to try to lie my way and self out of it. And at the end of the day, God will have grace. You've been there before? I'm just going to sin, but I know God's going to forgive. That's not the point. The point is you can't lie yourself away, uh, uh, lie yourself into something that it shouldn't be yours. So David sent word, "Hey Uriah, I need you to go out." And he was kind of deceiving because he said, "Once they once the armies come out, I want everybody to retreat back." So you know he's going to die. And he kills Uriah. Because a lie becomes another lie, becomes another lie. And then you have to face yourself in the mirror with your lies. I'm trying to give you a, 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 a thing that David went through so we don't have to go through. So let me say this. He started lingering. It started with the vision. And now she's pregnant. He entertained that, dealt with it, shouldn't have been doing what he was supposed to be doing, not only because it's bad, because ritual, you shouldn't have done it. Now she's pregnant. And now he has to think of a plan. I don't want to bring shame on myself. So what is the best thing I can do? Kill the guy. So he kills him. Then she, later on you read, he takes Bathsheba as his wife, and, and, and all that's restored later on in, in, in the story. But all of this mess could be a great movie. But all of this mess started when his vision got altered. When he decided to stay focused on something that should not be be in his life then his life started unraveling real quick so can we take an inventory of our life if you feel your life a little unraveled go back to the place where you just first put your eyes to cuz vision matters and god gives us good vision Through his what? His word. That's where our eye test comes from. That's where we get our standards, our morals, the way we should live, the what things we should operate in, what things we shouldn't operate in, how we're supposed to live our life. If we're not getting the true vision test through his word, we're going to add things to our vision that is going to be altered. Here's good vision. Good vision relies on discernment and not impulse. Good vision reminds me of my freedom and not my shame. Good vision keeps me focused on my purpose and not on my pleasures. Good vision relies relies on my why and not my feelings. Good vision in our life. And as I close, Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 and 11 says this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. I love this version. Pursue things over, uh, per, pursue the things over which Christ proceeds. Not shuffling around, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you for you. Look up and be alert. To what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. If you're living with blurry vision, you can't even walk straight or operate in truth. It's like this I am blind. Like right now, I can't see, I just see blurs and shapes. Your boys are blind. But this is what we usually do at times. Whenever we decide not to live with good vision. I know that this can give me clear vision. And let's say this is God's word. But life happens and we decide to not live with vision. I don't need it. I can do me. I can do, and then we just, we're, if you're laughing at me, I do not, under, I can't see you, okay? We expect to live life clear, but we don't want to pick up the thing that makes our life clear. And we just throw it aside and expect to live life with clear vision. But then we put our vision, On certain things. Let me get the first one. We're like, okay, I I see a concept of what I need, and I put it on. But guess what? You're still blurry. Because what we do is we put our vision on the flash and the big stuff, the material things. We, 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 we say, okay, I got I to gotta get that raise. I got to do that thing. I want to put all my time, my energy, my vision on the thing that's going to make me better than the Joneses. I'm going to put it on. But you're not fooling anyone but yourself. Because you can make it all flash and big. But in reality, you're still blind. You're still blind. And we're expecting God's blessing putting our vision in things that are just monetary how about this the other one let me get the other one we're trying to put our vision but we're trying to be somebody we're not (laughs) we're trying to mask our problems with something and we look like a fool and we're want we're wanting so much good vision and god give me this and god i need this but we are fooling ourselves cuz we're masking our problems and we're living with blurry vision and on the outside you might have a concept of good vision but on the inside you know what's what you're dealing with and you only look like you're fooling yourself. Look at me. Do not put this on the Instagram. How about this? Oh, I have anxiety. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, my! I can't, like, I can't pay my bills, and I can't do this, and the dollar. You're laughing, right? But we put our focus on the things that we cannot take. You can't control it. And you become Eeyore. Where's my tail? We put our vision on things that are going to keep us down. We're going to put our vision on things that are going to diminish our purpose. We're going to put our vision on things that are going to make us sad. Sometimes it is a, just a, 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 a physical thing. Like if, if a part of a song makes you sad, don't listen to the song. You look foolish. Oh, when I'm sad, I'm going to listen to this emo music. Sometimes it's just making a decision to not be sad or sometimes it's making a decision to put my focus not on my problems doesn't mean that my problem's not going to be there this is hitting me all in the face doesn't mean my problem is not going to be there but I am choosing to put my vision not on something that's trying to keep me down but something that's going to lift me up and this is what happens we're like dang it I broke that did I break that We ain't sending that back to Amazon. You know what I'm talking about. You do it too. So now, what do we do with it? We understand that we shouldn't, right? So now do we do, we have to go back to the thing that's going to make our focus and our vision clear. And at times, reading the Bible and getting to his word, coming to community is hard. And you gotta look for it sometimes, because sometimes I don't know about you, but trying to get the right vision, it just doesn't drop in my hands. I, I have to be like this. You're like God. I, I need, you know. Sometimes getting good vision is coming to church when you don't want to come to church, and you're just searching. God, I maybe good vision is is going to small groups whenever you're feeling depressed and you're just searching and searching and reading more of God's word and getting closer, you find something. You find that little verse, that little encouragement and then you start seeing things a little clearer. You start opening your eyes to what God is doing. I'm here to tell you today Do not throw away the thing that's supposed to make your vision clear. David lost his clear vision going after things that are never going to fulfill him. And he had to face the medicine. But what did David do in Psalms 51? He had a search, he had to repent, but he picked up, he said, God, I need your presence. I need your spirit. I need your words. I need what is going to give me clear vision in my life. The other stuff just only is temporary. The only stuff is just for a moment. But I need something that is going to keep me clear in this world that is full of things that are trying to hinder me. I need clear vision. Maybe the world is trying to crush you. But you're living life blind. His word gives us the right vision for our life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 and I'm done. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing through the visions of the soul and the spirit for joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of The heart, you want clear vision, go to a vision that is stable, which is his word. Listen, don't make your pastor look like a fool up here and you're not doing what we're saying. I just put some crazy glasses up here. I will go all through the humiliation for you to understand that your life is meant something. Do not let the enemy hold you down in bad vision. No, I want you to put your shoulders back and say, I am a child of God and I'm going to fight for what God has for my life. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for for that provision. I'm going to fight because I know who holds my tomorrow. And you want clear vision. Go to something that is clear and stable, which is his word. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. (laughs) Some of you say, Pastor Eric, I've been focusing on things that should not be in my life. I'm here to tell you that there's hope, there's grace, that when you repent, God said that he will remove it. He will, as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't look at your past to determine your future. What he looks at is you pursuing him, you pursuing that clear vision in your life. If you're struggling with altered or blurry vision, you can't see from tomorrow to today. And I'm not only talking about the physical talk about your spiritual man you feel like you can't even feel god anymore you're just going by the motions you're doing things that you should never done you're doing things that at one season you would never have thought you would be doing i'm here to tell you to get back get a vision test and see if your your life aligns with his word and if it doesn't it's time to change some things It's time to make some decisions. Time to take responsibility and get our vision clear. Say, Pastor Eric, that's me. I need to get my vision clear. There's some things that are hindering my life. And uh, today is the day I I just, you're not here on on accident. God knew you were going to be here. God knew that he was going to set the atmosphere for what's going to happen. If you say, Pastor Eric, I need clear vision in my life. will not you slip your hand in the air? Come on, you're not alone. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you, I see you. While you're standing up, let's everybody stand up. Let's all everybody stand up. Keep your hand in the air, keep your hand in the air. Keep your hand in the air, keep your hand in the air. As a family, as a family, as a church family, this is what we're gonna do. If you see somebody with their hand up, I need you to gather around them real fast. I need you to gather, turn around, turn around. Come on, if that's you, I need you to to help pray. Right here, Joshua, right here. Because we're gonna do this alone. You can't do life alone. We do life together. We do life together. And I want all of us to pray together. If that's you, I want you to just find somebody. Find somebody. This is not an embarrassment. This is is time for us to be who God's called us to be. As a family, we uplift each other in this place. We uplift each other in this place. Come on, let's pray. Father God, I pray right now. That in this place, that freedom will come, Father God. That that hope will come, Lord Jesus. Whatever that is trying to hinder our clear vision, whatever is trying to hinder our clear um, uh, thinking of who you are or who we are in you, Father God, I pray right now that you will br- bring clarity where clarity needs to be brought, Father God. Look, God, we will not turn back to the things that are hindering us anymore. We won't put on things that just mask some things in our lives, God. No, we will be honest and serious with our life, Father God. Our life has purpose. Our life has meaning. So God, we choose to get our vision cleared, Father God. We don't choose to linger on the things that are going to hinder us anymore, God. We choose to stand in awe of who you are, Father God. We choose to make some decisions in our life that is going to benefit our clear vision. And today, Father God, we stand as a family, a church family, saying we are going to do, we're going to end this together. We're not going to let you down. We're going to do life together, and today we're going to uplift each other, and knowing that this is not the end, this is only the beginning. God, I bring clarity in the room today, Father God. Adjust our vision to what you want us in this place. Adjust our vision, what you want in our lives, God. Let us see you clear. Bring us back to our first love, Father God, bring us back when we were so sensitive to your spirit, God. Today, I pray that revival happens in this place, Father God, when we adjust our vision, God. We see you clear, God. We pray that you come in spirit and in truth in our lives, God. And today, we'll give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Is in your name we pray. Come on, Axios Church. amen amen listen it starts with now it starts with making decisions now get into his word get around the right people and start seeing clearly what god wants to do in your life come on let's give it up for jesus today isn't that an amazing message if you'd like to help partner with us to push this mission forward here in lakeland florida you can go to axioschurch.com and in the giving tab you can give a one-time donation or a recurring gift We are so thankful for all of you that have decided to join us this morning. We meet every Sunday, and we can't wait to see you next time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, turn on your post notifications, make sure you're tuned in to everything that Access Church has to offer.